too. There you go. Thank you. Does things really well. You know, sometimes people ask me if, uh, you know, if it's for real with Nate, you know, like, uh, you know, he cries sometimes during a service and people wonder, well, you know, is that uh, real? And I, I can promise you it's genuine. He, he cries all the time. We, we were, we were, we went to lunch this week and uh, I got there. I was a little late getting there and he was crying. I said, what are you crying about? You were late coming. That's okay. Let's go in and we ordered some chicken nuggets and he wanted a different sauce. Started crying. And then, I wanted honey mustard sauce. So he's he's a, he's a he's a real crier. No, I'm just kidding. He he actually is though genuine and and you can count on him. Every bit of it is passionate uh, for Christ and really serious about serving the Lord and drawing this church together to serve the Lord. Okay, so let me uh, pray as we get started. I want to update you a little bit. I just got back from India. Uh, we went over to City Light. We've got a uh, partnership. One of our first missionaries, start off about three, was a guy named Ravi Sharma. Now, if we have a picture here, can I show him real quick? Um, okay, so next next picture, I think. There you go. There's Ravi and his wife, and uh, we're there in in India last week in New Delhi. And uh, he started when when he started with us when we started as missionary, we were supporting him for about three hundred dollars a month. And uh, during that time, he is, uh, with our help, he's been able to grow the ministry. And now he has about nine churches. He used to have one. Now he has nine churches scattered around. And uh, the next, pair, uh, next uh, one, you'll see a great story. Uh, while we're working there that week, what he wants to do is be able to start a city light in New Delhi. And so we're praying about that. And we talked about that. We did some training while we're there. And we're praying about how the Lord might develop that. Here's one family we visited in the church, this wonderful family, um, they uh, invited us in. Uh, they had these two rooms. Um, uh, what you're seeing there is the entirety of the of the one room. And then if you go in the bedroom, that's where the kitchen is as well, too. Just room for a bed. They all sleep on one bed. And uh, talked to them. The kids hadn't been to school in three years because they couldn't afford the school fees for uniforms and that kind of thing. And then the... Uh, so none of them could read except for the little girl. And uh, as we're talking to them... Uh, they're so gracious for us being there, and they had painted the inside of their house there for us to come. It felt pretty terrible. So um, they had borrowed money to paint the house. So we, we got in there, we're talking to them, and we're listening, and uh, you know, was, I just felt like the Lord wanted us to buy uh, clothes for those kids. Uh, they didn't have but what they have on. And so uh, we decided we would start walking out towards where we were parked, walk down this alley, and there was a clothing store right there. So the pastor said, why don't they go in there? Went in, we were able to buy something for the whole family. Everybody closed. Uh, you did as a church, purchases for them. And then here's the cool part. Um, I didn't know this, but uh, the next day, their oldest son, not the one there, their oldest son was graduating Bible college. And they, they weren't able to go to the graduation because they didn't have any clothes. But because we took them to the store and bought them clothes that we didn't know they'd been praying about, City Light was able to supply it. So this family was able to go to see their son graduate Bible college. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Fun. And then uh, you guys know we started a City Light in Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, some of you have, been, uh, have uh, visited there, and I just got a call from them on uh, Thursday. We we're working there with the women in prostitution uh, and trafficking right there, uh, about 1,000 women in four or five blocks, 
and uh, we started this training center. So, so we started the City Light Center uh, already in their first few weeks. She called and she said, there's two women who want out of prostitution and uh, they really want to give their life to Christ. One terrible story, it's very sad, but, but they want out and uh, she wanted to know what should we do? Because they got to be able to pay the rent and they got to be able to do, you know, live. what are we going to do if they want to leave this? And I uh, said confidently for City Light, I spoke for you, and I said, tell them, leave. Leave prostitution. We'll figure out the rest, right? Amen? Just get out, stop. We'll figure out the rent and, you know, those kind of things while they get ready for a new career in a new way. So uh, that's kind of exciting stuff happening with Tijuana and in New Delhi and around the world uh, as well as here in D.C. area. Okay? All right, let's pray together and then we want to start uh, encouraging you with God's word. Jesus, we're so grateful. You are nothing but gracious to us. Nothing but gracious. We just don't know anything but your grace. Uh, We pray, O Lord, that you might get glorified, that you might get honored. Uh, as we study your word together, as we think together about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I spent my first career working in Washington, D.C. as a sergeant in the D.C. Police Department. I was blessed enough to be transferred to a narcotics unit after only four months in uniform. The first assignment I had was in the 3rd District. In the 3rd District, there was 2.4 square miles. This is how big the district was. We had 40 policemen working just vice, 500 policemen working that area, 25 open-air drug markets, as well as all the red light district and everything. Well, it was really hard to not think God was losing when I was in that environment every day. When you're working in that 10 or 15 hours a day, um, It just seemed like I couldn't see the work that God was doing in the midst of that crazy world. The whole time, though, God was doing great things. He was doing great things. He was doing great things faithfully working to me and actually in the lives that I had worked with, lives that I was around. Now, I've just started this thing I wanted to tell you about uh, to try to help us during the week to walk with God. One of the things is there's a disconnect between uh, our, our spiritual lives and living out there in this crazy world we all live in. So anyway, started this new thing. I don't even know how it's being used exactly, but it's on Facebook. It's it's called The Undercover Pastor. You guys can uh, see, be a light for Jesus in a dark world. So we got these things, one minute uh, YouTube uh, encouragement for you during the week, help you, encourage you to walk with the Lord. And we do it from this perspective that by the end of my career, the Lord had actually taken several drug dealers to come to Christ, um, police officers to come to Christ, just a few. But when things seemed out of his control, he was actually hard at work the whole time. Now, I use that example because I think our world feels much like I felt when I was a young policeman. It used to be just in one 2.4 square mile area, but now it feels like it's, it's into all of our lives. And on top of that, we have war, we have violence. Um, most religious people can find themselves feeling somewhere between worried and angry almost all the time. We, uh, it, it makes me think, um, if you hear us talk about our current generation, you can hear us say there isn't much hope. Um, We will say they're facing tough times and we just don't see how they will make it through. I know you, I've said it. I'm sure you've said it as well. But that made me think of God's word. I thought of my grandkids 
And probably it's not valuable for me to keep saying to them over and over again that your generation is not very good and there are bad things happening. That probably is not an effective way to teach them about Christ. Um, so let's look at the scriptures and let's see what God's word provides us for clarity on what to do and what is God doing in this world. Let's uh, take one of our favorite verses. I want you to emphasize with me. It's a verse that you all love. It's uh, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. Now, there you go. Let's go. You scared me half to death. All right. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So wait a minute. You're Sandale. In the midst of this wicked world, in the midst of this craziness, there is actually God's word. He still, his love, how often? What he does in this verse, you'll see, he puts time things. He says it's steadfast, which means it keeps pushing no matter what happens. It never ceases. It just keeps on going, his mercy. It never comes to an end. They're eternal. And his mercy just doesn't stop. He tries to clarify it for us so much that he says it's new every morning. Every morning when Russians are rolling into Ukraine. Every morning when uh, immorality is rampant in our culture. Every morning when the politics aren't what you'd like. Every morning we're seeing new mercies. As a matter of fact, here's one for you to tell all your children no matter what age. This is it. Psalm 100 verse 3. His faithfulness continues through all generations. All generations. Generation Y, generation whatever. Generation millennials, all that stuff. It's his, his faithfulness continues. Amen? So this morning, one thing I liked about preaching on the D.C. campus, we get a lot of amens in there. We get a little passionate. So I'm going to ask you for a few amens as we go here this morning because it's encouraging to think about this. He continues it. It's not stopping. It's like a train with no brakes. His mercy continues. His faithfulness continues no matter what. Well, with all those promises in mind, I want you to stop and look into various ways that God is working. A lot of times we feel like we're losing. A lot of times we feel like we're losing. So at the, uh, yesterday I went to one of my grandkids' baseball games, and I got there late. Uh, it's a big surprise to those of you who know me. But I, I got there late, and I, I go there, and I, I pull up, and I'm, I'm talking to the parents or whatever. And what's the question I ask? What's the score? What's the score? Who's winning? Who's losing? I want to know what's going on here. Well, same thing I want you to do here with Christianity. I want you to know what the score is. I want to tell you what the score is, okay? And so let's look, first of all, at a few things. And we're going to try to contrast things. You know, you feel like atheism, or they call it the nuns, those that are getting away from all religion. It feels like that's growing immensely in our culture, and it can be some. And let me say clearly before I start with this. I am not minimizing the evil in our culture. I am not minimizing that there is wickedness all around us. I am not minimizing that we are, by Scripture's definition, a crooked and a perverse generation. I'm not doing that. But what I am doing is saying that in the midst of that, our God is still working. Our God is still winning. And we know the end of the race. So let's listen as we think about this. Okay, the growth of Christianity versus the growth of atheism. This is kind of interesting. Do you know that atheism is actually on the decline worldwide? That religion is actually increasing? That they've gone, they expect by 2015 to have gone down actually to the point that they're only 13% of the whole world in 2050, excuse me. But Christianity is growing worldwide each year. 
Somewhere between 60 and 100 million people come to faith in Jesus Christ. By 2050, we expect to have 3.3 billion Christians in the world. Now, the, amen, that's right. In the next, listen, the next largest religion will be at 2.8 billion. My point is, we are still, God is still working. We're still, let me give you a perspective. In 1910, there were 600 million Christians. By 2010, there was 2.2 billion Christians. In 100 years, God is still at work. How about this? We talk a lot about the unreached, and we're concerned about those that are uh, out of the reach of the gospel and hearing the Bible. But I wanted you to know that in 1900, 54% of this world had no access to the scriptures, and today that's reduced to 28% of the world. It's a big change. It's a huge change. And be encouraged because technology is closing the gap between the reached and the unreached rapidly. How about this one? Uh, How about the contrast of the Internet? Now, we all know the terrible things that are going on on the Internet. We all know. We've talked about it. We've got ministries that are trying to help us with it. I mean, you know, it's, it's a serious fight what the Internet has brought. But let's not. It's like God takes the things that the enemy wants to use. You'll see this over and over again in this contrast. The enemy wants to use, and he redeems it for his work. So let, let me just show you here on the Internet. The Internet, I'm going to say something to you. It's going to surprise you. has been the greatest vehicle ever introduced for gospel evangelization around the world. The absolute best, and I'll tell you why I know for sure. One online, just one online ministry has reached 2.3 billion people on this planet with the gospel of Christ, 269 million decisions for Christ, and 328 million people in discipleship online all around this world. All because of the internet. We could never do this. To give you perspective, Billy Graham, those of you guys that are older, at least you remember Billy Graham, greatest evangelist of our time. He was a preacher for 58 years. He was in 186 countries. I mean, this guy really covered the world. As a matter of fact, during his life, he reached 210 million in 58 years. Okay, he preached to. However, after he stepped off the scene, their ministry went to, on the internet, and in just 10 years, they reached 100 million souls. You see the rapid increase that the internet has brought for, well, how about this, on Bible translation? It's, the internet has expedited Bible translation beyond anything you can imagine. Wycliffe Bible took 67 years to complete the first 500 languages, and the second 500 took only 17 years, and this is rapidly going to increase tremendously with the smartphone and the internet going all around the world. It's been able to reach into the hardest place. Listen to this. Uh, While I was in India last week, I uh, had dinner with some Christians there and uh, hearing about their different ministries. And there was this one young guy from Afghanistan. He told me the story of his dad was a mullah, and he was in this village, and he started to see on the Internet, on YouTube, Christian cartoons when he was about 13 years old. No access to Christianity no understanding of it, not even ever met a Christian. And do you know what? That guy met Jesus Christ right there in that little village. He ended up leaving there, got to India, and now he is a missionary preaching the gospel all through Iran and Afghanistan and all through these places that no Christian could really go. See, this internet has reached into places that you and I just couldn't have even dreamed of going. Okay, how about this one? We know there's a lot of evil. We know there's a lot of spending on evil in this world. Let's just compare it here to understand uh, 
Here's one interesting thing. Spending philanthropic studies, secular studies, show that people with religious affiliation give away several times as much every year as regular Americans, as other Americans. Um, This is really important to see. For instance, members of U.S. churches and synagogues spend four and a half times as much money or send four and a half times as much money overseas as does the Bill Gates Foundation. And they give a lot of money away. This is a different approach. Uh, Religious charity has always been after the last mile. They always wanted to go in the rural, the extremely poor, the dangerous areas where governments and international bureaucracies have no effective reach. That's from the Philanthropy Roundtable. Just to give you perspective, we spend about $30 million a year on marijuana, $37 million, uh, excuse me, uh, billion a year on cocaine, $17 billion on meth, prostitutes, so on. Here's a statistic, though. Just so you know, we spend $12 billion on pornography. These things are horrible statistics. However, let me remind you that there is $216 billion going to Christ's Christian causes here and around the world out of this same country. Amen. That's 18 times, that's 18 times the amount we spend on pornography in this country. God is still doing his great work. He is still active. He is still real. He is really making Satan angry by taking these same things and using it for, how how about this? Let's look at a few of the uh, leaders of our time. How about Hitler? 1942, Hitler vowed this. He said, we are going to root out and destroy the influence of Christian churches. The evil, he called Christianity, the evil that's gnawing at us. I can't at present give them an answer what they've been asking for. That time will come. I'll settle my account with them, the Christians. They'll hear from me all right, he said. I don't know if you heard, but Hitler failed. Jesus won. Jesus won. Christianity won. As a matter of fact, Christianity has grown exponentially since Hitler said those same words. How about this? We just talked about... Uh, in Asia, um, Chairman Mao, one of his goals was to stamp out Christianity when he started 1949, took over uh, China. There were about one million Chinese Christians at that time. It estimated by 2010, instead of him stamping it out, there were 49 million Christians. And today, there's expected to be 100 million believers in Mao's China. Mao Zedong failed. He couldn't stamp it out. God was still working. How about this one? Stalin. He called for an atheist five-year plan that was going to run from 1932 to 1937. In order to eliminate, this is what he said, all religious expression in the, in the uh, USSR. It was declared, this is it, that the concept of God would disappear from the Soviet Union. Well, God didn't give up. In fact, 67% of Russians consider themselves Christian. That's up 37% since 1990. Stalin failed. Stalin failed. How about the Ayatollah Khomeini? You guys remember this in Iran. Said in 1979 he was going to make Iran only one faith. And for the last 43 years, he has failed. In 2000, there was only 5,000 believing Christians in the country of Iran. Today, it is the fastest growing church in the world. And they are up to, we believe, a million Christians. Khomeini failed. He failed. He failed at his goal. And God just kept working. We just 
Talked about Cambodia, Laos, Thai, Pol Pot. I don't know if you know the story. He's a horrible man that took over uh, Cambodia back 1976 to 1979. During that short time, he killed uh, 2 million people there. 21% of the country he killed off, including 90% of all Christians. All the churches were killed. They were down to three, church, three pastors, and they all run out of the country. Today, there are 2,000 churches in Cambodia, and we believe close to 300,000 believers. Pol Pot did not succeed. In fact, God was victorious. This is why we can say to Putin, and we can say to those that are fighting against us, in Deuteronomy 3.22, do not fear them, for the Lord your God is the one fighting for you. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to be afraid of. You know, I don't know about you, but there's been more talk about nuclear war than maybe since I was a little kid. I, it's a little unnerving. I mean, I, I, I first remember seeing when the Ukraine thing started and they started talking about nuclear war again. Man, it reminded me of being a little kid. We, we used to have this Cold War and this big thing, and it almost was like off the page in a great. And then you see this, and North Korea finding missiles and all that. You start to think, boy, but then you remember, wait a minute, do not fear them, for the Lord, your God, is the one fighting for you. we got nothing to be afraid of, everybody. We're winning, and we will continue to win. We will see upsets. We will see discouragement. We will see the wickedness of this world, but yet we need to see God's work all the time, God's work among the whole world. How about this? You know that God works. Listen, here's a lot of the point of this sermon. The point of this is to get you to understand this simple thing. I'm not saying the world isn't wicked. I'm not saying there aren't problems. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying let's thank him for what he is doing. You see what I mean? And God is doing so much even through the secular world because he's showing mercy and mercy and mercy over and over again. Do you know I hate the rain? So I looked it up. There's 214 sunny days a year in this area is what they, what they say. I don't know if I ever thanked him for each of those sunny days. I just think about it when it's raining. Am I, are you with me? I'm only complaining when the school system has something bad in it. But I forget to thank God for all the godly, wonderful school teachers that are in our schools. Matter of fact, we have some here today. Somebody stand up. If you work in a school system. I know I got my daughter and a couple of others. But look hot. Listen. See that? Listen. <clears throat> you guys... Man, I wish I could convince you that you're uh, supernaturally placed there for God's work. You know, what, you know what the truth is? A brother said this to me a few years ago. It may not be that we're being um, uh, pushed out. It may be that we're just more important than we've ever been. Maybe it didn't matter so much that we had Christian school teachers 30 years ago. Maybe it didn't matter so much, but it does today. It does today, praise the Lord. And you guys are there making the difference. And that goes for the military ones in here. And for the healthcare professionals. Do you see, think about it, notice tomorrow how few believers there are around you. And it makes you understand, this is more important than you even going to be a missionary or going to be a pastor or whatever. You're doing what God needs you to do right there. Okay, God's winning along the whole world. This is a great thing that Jesus said. He said that he gives and he makes the sun to rise on those that are evil and on those that are good. And, and the reason I'm saying this is God's kindness continues to the innocent even as this whole world rebels against him. I want you to see what he's doing. Global poverty is actually on the decline. 
in the world. It's on a massive decline. The percentage of the people in, world, in the world in extreme poverty in 1990 was 36% of this world. A third of the world was in extreme poverty. Now that's down to 12%. Child poverty in the United States has declined 59% since 1993, according to restraint. And get this, over the last two years, five and a half million U.S. children were pulled out of poverty. Just in the last two years. The death of children is in decline. Those of you who have so many young mothers, this just means so much to you, doesn't it? The death of children overall worldwide is on decline. And since 1990, there have been 50% of child deaths have fallen worldwide. And in India, mortality rates have dropped by 69%. And in China, by 83%. This is, this is powerful. And let's be praising the Lord for these things. Child labor. I don't know if you've been... Sometimes I've traveled, one of the things that concern me the most is seeing children working. It's just heartbreaking. But do you know that that has reduced by 40% just since 2000? A hundred million children were able to have a childhood without labor since 1900. Isn't that incredible? That's all God. That's all God's mercy. The ones that were doing it didn't even know they were doing it for the Lord, but this is what he did. Now let's take another thing, uh, media movies, all that kind of stuff. You guys know that that has not been a great influence in many ways. I want you to see the biggest secular movie of all time, just for contrast, was Avatar. Uh, I'm not one of those that saw it, but Avatar. It's been seen by 59 million people worldwide. Let me just tell you what God has done with the movie uh, as a vehicle. In uh, 1979, there were a few guys at Camp Crusade for Christ came up with an idea to just record the book of Luke and do a movie, short movie, uh, doing the life of Jesus. And what they thought was they would get together and they would try to show this and maybe even translate it eventually to other languages. That's 1979. Let me tell you what's happened with this, with this uh, thing. Since that time, the movie on the book of Luke has been seen by, remember the largest movie, 59 million? This movie, 10.5 billion people all over this world. Have seen this. Over 600 million have committed their life to Jesus Christ because of this movie. This is an incredible work of God. It is probably, by the way, the one instrument that God has used more than any preacher or anything in the history of, of, uh, of the world. And it's a movie. I mean, we thought movies were bad. Here's what God is doing. Now, here's the last one I'm going to give you. The Bible. The Bible, the, uh, 1 Peter 1.25 says, But the word of the Lord endures forever. And you say, Dale, not now, though. Not in this culture. Nobody wants a Bible. Nobody wants anything. Okay, hold on. It's still the best-selling book of all time. Now, the best-selling book is 500 million. Harry Potter's collection is the best-selling book. Quite a contrast, in my opinion. Not a fan of Harry Potter. The highest-selling religious book outside of the Bible is 800 million. And here's the statistics for the Bible. In 1900, there were 5 million Bibles printed. Worldwide. In 2054 million printed. This year there'll be 93 million printed, and by 2025, 100 million will be printed. There are 1.8 billion Bibles in circulation, and that will climb to 2.3 billion Bibles by 2050. Oh, I think the Lord is winning. I think Harry Potter is way behind. I think the Bible and the power of the Word of God. Now, let me give you something else. How about this? It's by far the best-selling book of all time. And did you know that the U version, the Bible, is number three on the iTunes app list? Number three. That's people buying it right here. 
How about this? This one, the U version, has seen of the Bible 500 million downloads. 67,000 people are on the Bible app every second in America. 168,000 Bibles are given or sold every day in the United States. But the word of the Lord endures forever. See, God is winning. And here's the wonderful news. One day soon, one day soon, we're going to be praising him, not just like we are today for all these things he's doing. We're going to be praising him as he comes back. And as he comes in that second coming, in that great moment, we can look up and say our redemption draws nigh. It's right here. You know, um, here's the thing. Do you guys ever notice the end of the Super Bowl, uh, the winning team throws on these T-shirts saying they won? And I don't know about you, but I'm, how did they know they won? I mean, they, they was it rigged or what? How do you know? What they do is they, they make T-shirts for both teams saying they won. And then they give them to both teams and they say, when you win, or if you win, you take your T-shirt and you wear it. And they take those other T-shirts of the losing team and they send them to a third world country under the promise that nobody will ever wear it in the United States. The Super Bowl doesn't have much choice because they don't know in the, when the game begins, the Super Bowl, nobody knows who's going to win. They could predict. They could do all kinds of things. Nobody knows. Here's the great news. I could send out the T-shirts now because I promise you who the winner is going to be. You can praise him now. Start it now because you're going to be praising him through all of eternity. You are on the winning team. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are a great and wonderful Savior. Oh, that we might praise you more. Oh, that we might see your hand. That we might encourage children that they are part of a generation that is going to see God's mercy in ways we haven't seen. That they're part of a world where Christianity is growing and your gospel message is being preached. That they are part of a culture that is going to see the word of God in ways that we've never seen it before. Oh, Jesus, might you translate the scriptures in these last days. Might you, Lord, send missionaries online throughout this world. Might you send and do a great work here in Falls Church and in our community. May we, like City Light here and City Light in Tijuana and City Light in India, may we, Lord, be part of your sovereign work to win this battle for Christ. We pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand with us and let's sing together. I felt led to, to share this psalm just about exactly who our God is. Um, psalm 97, it says, The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Let the many coastlands be glad. And <clears throat> clouds and thick darkness are all around him. 